1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to your Saltwater Guide, the podcast. We got a good one for you today. It's Special Guest Friday, and we're bringing in a really good, really good guest today. First, let's talk about Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance. Is There he is, the man, Brian Demo. Finding Demo, the podcast. We'll be talking to Brian here in a few minutes. Real quick, though, Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance is our sponsors on Friday. What a phenomenal situation Larry and the boys have at Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance. Bucket list trips, Alaska, Mexico, all over the place. Hotels, airfare, fish processing, charter boats. From every level you can imagine, they have you covered over at Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance. We'll show you a little bit more later in the show, but make sure you check out that QR code and go check out what Larry and the boys have for you over at Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance, and we'll talk more about that later on in the show. But let's bring in Brian right now. Come on in, Brian. Let's get this thing rolling. Let's get talking, buddy. Hey, well, hey there. Hey, bud. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. I had so much fun on your podcast that I wanted to bring you on my podcast because, gosh, that was just so much fun talking to you about surf fishing and and different looking at a different way about it that i'm really not a surf fisherman i did that show with bill varney the other day and now i have you on here what i love about what you guys do is you bring it accessible to everybody where my world you got to kind of have some money and a boat and all that stuff where surf fishing you can pretty much just go do it yeah yeah, it's, it is definitely one of the cool things. I mean, it doesn't matter where you are. I mean, as long as you're near the water, somehow, some way, because the whole world, look at the map. I mean, we've all got so much coastline. And even with that, there's so many places you could just throw a line in the water and go catch, man. It's, it's a great thing. And how many of us vacation at the beach with our families? Hey, there you go. Throw a line. It'll be fine. Oh, yeah. And your podcast, Finding Demo, the podcast, is a pretty cool deal. You bring in quite a few. You are so active and you bring in so many really cool guests. I've been listening to your show and paying attention to all the cool guests. You have a really cool thing going. Let's uh for before we get way down the line into the podcast, how did you get into this fishing thing? Because everybody has such a bitch of story. <laughs> Can I hear your story? Sure. So for surf fishing, um, original fishing, of course, you know, dad, uh, he taught me a little bit before he died and I didn't do a ton of fishing. I was a military brat. We moved around a lot and there's, you know, life, it gets in the way. So, and, and other things, but, um, at, we were actually, I retired from the Marine Corps in 2016 out in your area, out of Camp Pendleton, California. And we left, we got on the road in an RV and traveled for a couple of years. And it was great. It was my wife, my daughter, and I. Uh, we just got after it. We'd fish wherever we went, and man, I skunked. And I, I will still to this day admit I am the worst freshwater fisherman I have ever met. And um, we weren't going to go back into that. So uh, one day, once the plague hit, we were stuck in Tennessee and couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything. All the campgrounds had shut down. We were staying with my mother-in-law. And one day, I was just in a YouTube hole just doing the old doom scroll and something came up about surf fishing and it was from a channel called fish gum, Tony Fagioni. And I was like, hmm, this is interesting. What is this? And it started talking about how you can catch fish at the beach. And I was like, all right, cool. This is fun. Well, that channel turned into Bama beach bomb. Huh? How weird. All right. This is really cool. Fast forward a couple more months. Uh, next thing I know, we find ourselves living in the panhandle of Florida. Uh, I meet Tony accidentally at Walmart while we're grocery shopping. And it just, well, that was it. It started. I just was instantly hooked. And then, of course, Sally came, uh, Hurricane Sally came through and you know punched us in the mouth here. I'm really close to Pensacola. And about three, probably a week. Let's go a week after, the, after it happened. I went out in the surf. I uh, hadn't had a lot of luck before. I threw a line out with just a piece of fish bites and just sat and waited. And I caught my very first slot red drum. 
And I knew I was screwed after that. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> yep. Can't do anything else. And I did, uh, I got the addiction real, real hard. So yeah, after that, it was straight up surf fishing. And ever since then, I've just kept on increasing and learning and learning and learning. And it's been just such a great adventure ever since that day. And so where are you located at so that our viewers and listeners can all know? I already know, but that doesn't <laughs> help everybody else. No problem. So I am in a town called Navarre, Florida. I am just uh, east of Pensacola and west of Destin. And our whole zone right there is phenomenal fishing. Uh, we've got white sandy beaches, great clear water, and it really creates uh, – it's a very unique fishery. I will say that because you can really get after some here. Right. Now, that water there looks absolutely incredible. Watching some of your <laughs> videos and watching some of the things, that water just looks incredible. So you have to really kind of fish kind of stealthy most of the time, or are these fish just kind of just biting everything, or is it a lot of talent involved? What are we talking about? So you do have to play a little bit of the game. Now, it also depends on seasons. So in fall and spring, we have the runs basically we call them the pompano run it's mostly the big fish everyone likes to catch here is the florida pompano from the surf i will say that we all love it it's a delicious fish and fun to catch um during those times you can pretty much throw anything out with a little piece of bait and you're probably going to catch now when you want to get into the specifics yeah you really need to pay attention to what you're doing when it comes to line how strong it is fluoro or mono where you're throwing the zones very important on the zones for structure um hook size, bait type, all of that needs to be a continued factor when you're playing in the surf, especially here in super clean water, because if they can see it, you know, fish aren't that smart. I learned that from you. They're not the smartest critters. However, comma, you do have to give them an opportunity to bite and play, and you need to give yourself a small bit of advantage. So know what you're going to play with there and, and, and test things out. Everything's different. You never know. You might be, you, you know, you might be able to run. I, I've Wow, I'm jabbering there. Uh, I have a tendency to run a 30-pound test uh, before. I used to run 30-pound double droppers because this brain says, oh, heavy fish, heavy line, ugh. Um, yeah, no, you need more like 10. 10, 15-pound will do just fine. And um, you can get away with mono. You can get away with fluoro. But when it comes to the finicky fishing like summer and winter when they are lockjaw because, you know, hey, they're, they're keeping their energy tight, um, yeah, you need to play a little bit more. You got to watch what you're doing. So a fish finder rig with a 10, 15 pound test, uh, nice small with maybe a size six circle hook. Um, you can use J hooks. Once you're doing stuff like that, now you're getting into the real fine mesh of how you're going to play this game. Okay. So you see Elliot's flashing up a lot of people comment. Oh. So every once in a while, just kind of, we'll slow it down a little bit and we'll, sure. we'll talk to the people because there's going to be a lot of people because that have questions and Darren and Brian and all these guys watch the show all the time. They're way learning how to do this surf fishing thing. So they awesome. want to know. So people want to know. So we'll answer and we'll slow it down a little bit when these questions pop up or when these comments pop Perfect. up, we'll kind of let everybody know. Thank you all for watching. And I really appreciate it because we can't do this without everybody watching. So thank you all. And, no, I don't have a new camera. I'm in America where the internet's kind of different than Cabo. So it's <laughs> clean, clean internet up here where I think that has a lot to do with it. Then maybe being in this beautiful backdrop at my son's house here in Tahoe, maybe that's making the picture look cleaner because one of our members was saying that. So that's what's going on. So you mentioned something and I want to know about this because I don't know anything about surf fishing. So I'm totally intrigued okay. and I want to know as much as I can. Fish finding okay. rig. What are you talking about? What do you mean? It's, I know that flows out so fish... your mouth, but we don't know what the hell you're talking about. I apologize. <laughs> uh, so a fish finder rig is essentially a Carolina rig, really. Um, and you can rig it at different variations. I've seen um, a couple of different ways. One that I learned was you could basically put a three-way swivel, swivel in between your braid and your mono at the end, the shock leader, or I'm sorry, between the shock leader end and your fish line, and you hang a weight right from that, and you launch that out in a fixed position. I'll, I'll do that a lot with, depending on the current, I'll use a Sputnik sinker, well, big sinker with the legs to keep it into position. 
Uh, I prefer to use a bank sinker so the current can move it around and move it where I, you know, wherever the current's taking it, that's where the fish are going to be. So I want that to take it and that longer leg, maybe a foot as decent length um, connected to the very end of your hook and your bait. And that just moves around and kind of plays off when that, that bait's going to stay on the bottom um, more likely because obviously you're using chunk bait more than you're using live from the surf. So uh, that bait's going to stay on the bottom. So now you're targeting those bottom feeders a little bit more. Um, sharks, Spanish will go down for them occasionally, the bluefish. But that kind of rig is very versatile because you can use it different ways. The other wet method is to take a, an egg sinker, throw it on the uh, end of the line with the braid before you get to your leader. And you put a stopper, whether it's a bead, uh, swivel however you like to do it i prefer a swivel on that one personally so that stops right there and a glass bead right next to it and you launch that out let it go let it sit you can open the bail and let it free spool give it some more line to let it walk away uh give it a little bit more room i don't love that idea personally because of tangles and angles you can get into an interesting little bit there but we're, we're digging into the weeds here but that rig is very good especially at close in fishing you're just going to drop it let it sit let that fish come grab yank cut grill done (laughs) (laughs) nice now when we had bill varney on here he was talking about fishing right there in front of your feet right in front of you do you guys have that ditch style fishing or is it because i was watching i was trying to do some homework and i was kind of watching what's going on back there it looks more like the beach is more sloped and shallow for a lot longer than our beaches where we have a drop off and a ditch Am I not seeing it proper? Go ahead. Show that so again, Elliot. If you can bring that picture back up. Thank you. Okay. So right. if you look, that was a great day, by the way. It's a, that was a hell of a fight. A Jack Creville, and, and he was not far. He was actually, if you're looking at this picture, where the light turns dark. So right about there, that's about 60 yards. He was right there. And he smoke-checked that line and took it for a walk. And yeah, you know, we were... We were on, and it was game on. But as you can see here, where the very first part underneath my elbow there, that's just the regular sand, and then you get into a green. That's my first hole. That's our first ditch. Okay. You can throw anywhere in there, and you're going to find a bunch of fish that will sneak up on you. It's very hard to... Oh, it's very hard to not throw past that when you're, uh, you've got a 12-foot rod, but it's important to stay in there. Now, as you can see, just past that, you got a little bit of wash. That's another great spot to go. And then once you get to the transition piece here with the light to dark, that's the bar. That's what you hear a lot of us say, oh, get it on the bar, get it on the backside of the bar. That's where a lot of fish like to run. So playing that one out is really good. Now, if you look over the fish's head, you can see all that surf water right there. This was a very, very mild day at the beach. Um, if I were to, if we had this kind of set and one to two footers, I would absolutely have a line right there where that water is crashing because it is rolling through and sucking bait up off the bottom for those other fish to come in and munch on. So playing zones, really good. But yet there's your trough, there's your bar, and there's there's your next set of open water that goes even deeper. What a perfect picture to show everything. (laughs) So when Bill was talking, and he was talking about fishing light and small and all that stuff. Oh, what mm-hmm. do you got? What is that? That is a nice Florida pompano right there. And that Ooh. was delicious. Oh, such yeah, a good fish. Really good to eat. Yep. And they will, they'll play on you. Little flatty flounder. That one was a very weird, uh, that was an accidental catch. I will admit that. I, I do not target flounder. And that one was actually caught on what Bill brought up. Go shrimp. Yeah. So ghost the shrimp's a very world. Oh, it is. It is a naughty bait. And I learned a lot from Bill's episode when he talked about hooking because I had been hooking them wrong all the time. And that was great. But yeah, those one that flatty was a fun one. That that one, uh, I think it was out of season actually. I think I had to yeah, I did. I have to send that one back. Okay. Yeah, that ghost shrimp though. You guys have them there. That was another question I was gonna ask. So you do have ghost shrimp there. We do. Uh, and it, if you're in this area, don't go look for them at the beach. That is going to be a waste of your time. If you're going to fish at the beach, you're going to want to get your hands on sand fleas, all the mole crabs, what Bill talked about. For us here, the best place to get your ghost shrimp is going to be more in the inshore area, uh, the bay area. And you can find them through their little itty bitty volcanoes. You just pump and go, pump and go, pump and go. And Florida is a great state. to buy them though, right? No, uh, we do not have. That's why I was shocked when he said he could oh, buy them. I was like, hmm, 
Where are you getting them there, buddy? Yeah, uh, the ta- no. a lot of the tackle shops in SoCal sell them. Oh, yeah, I wish we had that here. No, unfortunately, that's not one you get for sale here. You have to go get it. Uh, and it's not an easy animal to get. Uh, it's just, it, it's labor intensive. It yeah. truly is. That's the only bad part about Stuck it. But there. Sand up into that tube. Uh. I use one other bait that Bill didn't bring up, and I was very surprised he doesn't use it. But it could be a difference between East Coast, West Coast. I don't know. Um, I love using crab knuckles. So I, uh, I will take a blue crab. I will cut it right down the middle. I'll cut, break the legs off. And then where the body, how the meat as you, anybody that loves crab, you've seen how the meat turns a little bit of an angle. I cut it at each individual leg. I'll hook it through there, through the leg and throw it out. And a lot of things like crab and a lot of things fight fun on crab. So All right. crab That's knuckles are a very good bait. There you go. That's a little secret. That's a good one. Pick that one up from the sinker guy. Uh, you know, I, I am, I'm a huge proponent of you learn something, you can give credit. It's not going to kill you. So uh, Chip taught me that, and ever since then, it was phenomenal. I've, I, it's a constant bait for me now. That is unbelievable. So then, okay, so you got your long 14-foot rod. You're just winging that crab knuckle out there as far as you can, and then you put it in the rod holder and you wait? Sometimes now my normal time. So if I'm doing set rig fishing, like what you're talking about right there, I'll normally bring three rods, maybe four. Uh, and what I do is I play the zone. So what, uh, Blake Hunter from real 30, a great guy in our area, he made a great analogy that I will never forget. And I will always utilize the old Verizon cell phone signal, right? You got the bar goes like that up and down rod. Number one, 20 to 30 yards out rod. Number two, 40 to 60 yards out rod number three 60 to 90 rod number four 100 to 140 you keep all of that one out there and as these fish come by if they're close you know they're going to want to get away from your rod right they're going to want to go into an arc to get away from that zone you get them on rod one now they went up oh now you got them on two yep number three you can you can quad hook up but keeping it in those zones gets you into a position where you know that hey okay i need to find the fish once you get them in there Boom. You now you take every rod and you switch it to that zone. So if they were 50 yards, switch to 50. If they're at max cast, whew, launch them. Get them out there to max cast. But utilize the zones to be able to find the fish. Okay. So then have you ever tried? I'm, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting anything. I don't know. But when you throw those ones way out there, have you ever tried doing what Bill does and fishing that ditch right there close to shore with a little rod? Absolutely. Waiting with the big. Okay. That's- yep. So I have, uh, we call that, so uh, Tony came up with a runt rod. We call that runt rod fishing here. Um, and it's a maybe a two and a half, three foot rod. And I'll throw that one within 20 to 30 yards. I always keep one rod close. It is a requirement. And if, um, and I know this is going to sound cheesy and y'all can come at me here with the comments. Oh, here we go. That, that tackle box. I don't know if it's in there, actually. It might be. It might be uh, towards the bottom. But the um, what I will do, because I fish... Uh, 12 four, four 12 foot ninja daggers is my normal rod setup i'll take the sinker and hold it in my hand and i will overhand throw it uh, and into that zone so i don't have to cast it so i don't overcast okay. i keep that very close and at hand for that method um and if you guys want to see some of the stuff that i talk about uh that i'm utilizing on finding demo this is the tackle box and this it goes into all the stuff that i utilize at the beach um, as you can see there, there's the rods on the left is the ninja dagger there. That's the prime, my primary surf fishing rod. Um, I always do bring other rods. I do bring a seven footer for throwing lures, which we can talk about here in a second. Uh, and an eight foot six, I will use that for rod or for throwing metal in the surf as well. But I always, like you said, yeah, that's a good one. I always keep, we, we ignore the close stuff way too much. Yeah. I guess I did too, but until I listened to Bill talk and I'm like, wait a minute, there's a bunch of fish right here at my feet I need to be focusing on. Ooh, that one right there. Actually, could you go back up for a second on left? It's going to be the EKG May. So this is something, if you don't mind, I go on a, t- a little t- rant, no, 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 rant about. Please. So one of the things most anglers are, and I was guilty of it for a long time, we get our fish, what do we do? We maybe cut its throat and then throw it in the cooler. Maybe, or we throw it in the cooler, bash its brains, whatever it is. Uh, I had to learn 
I had to learn a new method and I did a podcast episode with a great person down here. She's phenomenal. She's super smart. Allison from real love. She told me about EKG May and what it is, is it's actually very quick to dispatch the fish. It's an instant kill. And after that you do cut it to bleed it, you let it sit. Then after that's done, you slice the tail and you run a metal little metal piece of wire up its neural canal and it severs all the uh, it severs all the nerves. The fish can actually stay in your fridge for seven days or longer. You don't have to get it right in the freezer. It prevents decay and it prevents them from getting all the other stuff into its body. It's one of the weirdest science things I've ever heard. And I was like, you're full of it. And then I did it. And I was like, holy crap, she's right. So if you all wanted to see a different way to kill your fish instantly and a different method other than having to bleed it on the deck and all that, that's a kind of a cool trick to check out. Hey, did you, for just a second, yeah, yeah Robbie Gant from AFCO has that, yes, that he does. Whole thing for dispatching the bluefin and the yellowfin and it makes the meat just that much oh, better. And like so you said, bad. quality time in the fridge. But Jeff put up a thing here fishing with chicken feet what 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 that's a good one i was wondering i was like i'd love to hear more about that one <laughs> I've, uh, never, I've been diving and fishing my whole life in the ocean i've never seen a chicken walking around out there so i don't know why they would eat his feet but you never know yeah that that's a, not cool. isn't that wild jane that's a different one um earlier in here uh curry oh, covington oh go ahead See what Daniel just said? We'll go yeah. back to it. So how do you put sand crab on the hook? So the sand flea, if you have a mole crab, you basically have two ends. You've got the head and the tail. Easy way to tell is on the tail, it's got a little flipper. So what I do is I will pin the flipper and I will put the hook through it, through the body, and I will slowly, this is where I think a lot of people uh, notice where they lose them. I slowly pierce the back of the shell right down the center line and just a little bit of the tip through it. I actually don't put the barb through it. Um, that will actually keep it on a little bit more for me. I'm a little bit of a whippy caster, so I have a tendency to throw stuff off. Uh, I've noticed that method maintains the hold there. If you have a monster crab, uh, mole crab, sand flea, and I cut them in half, you do the same thing on the head side. You go from the dead center that your uh, circle hook will go through, run it right through the body, keep it just the tip just to come out. It should hold on just fine. If you do pierce the shell, it's not a big deal. What I do normally on that is then I will put a piece of sand flea fish bites, uh, sand flea flavor. I'll put that on the hook to anchor it down, if you will, for that sand flea to keep it in position. Nice. That's good. Okay, real quick. We're going to mm -hmm. take a break real quick and talk about Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance, gang. We're going to throw up the QR code. We'll throw up the website. You guys have to check this out. It's super important. Grab that QR code. If you're thinking, I want to get up to Alaska and go do that giant halibut fishing or go do some of that crabbing up there that they do up there, talking about crabs here with Brian. You want to go check out Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance. Larry and the boys over there have put together a phenomenal opportunity for members of your saltwater guide. You grab the QR code. You go over there. You check out all that he has to offer. Here's a little bit of what's going on. This is fishing down in Mexico. He's got places in uh, Baja. He's got, look at that octopus they caught the other day up there in Alaska. That thing's a monster. Look at that thing. There's some good eating right there. If you like octopus, you're going to have a lot of good eating right there. They catch so many different kinds of fish up in Alaska. So many different kinds of fish down in the Baja. You got to go check out the what he has to offer for you. There's just so much cool stuff going on in the world that most of us aren't even tapping on just like talking with brian right now and the surf fishing going on down there in pensacola the same type of thing going on look at that fresh oysters there's just you want to get out there and do some of this bucket list stuff because life is going by way too fast we got to get out there and experience stuff don't wait get out there and experience it now check out the website pacific sport fishing alliance the qr code's right there and get up there and go hang out with Larry and the boys or get down to Mexico and go hang out. There's so many opportunities. Check out Sport Fishing, Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance. You will not be disappointed. All right, Brian, let's get back to surf fishing. Okay, so we had a question you were going to talk about a second ago, and I interrupted you. One of the questions before, do you remember it? Uh-oh, we lost, we lost uh, your, your uh, audio. 
It's because I push the mute button because oh, I do that in the background a lot. So I'll put mute on so you don't hear the death breathing. <laughs> so Curry Covington uh, made a, just a simple word, tides. Now, if we're anywhere else, let's say I was in California or the Atlantic on the east side of Florida. Yes, I would worry about tides. I would fish the high two to three side, high and low. I would play that one all out. The Gulf of Mexico is a little bit of a finicky beast because we get one tide a day. That's it now. So I won't really worry about tide in and out. I will look at coefficient. I will look for uh, energy. I want to see what the energy of the water is doing, which way it's moving for current. Uh, but if it's doesn't matter what the tide is for me here, I'm not really worried about it in the surf. I just want to know what the water is moving and where it's moving. That's a, a big one there. But thank you for bringing up tides because that's a big difference down here that uh, a lot of people don't have to think about. So the tide down there, do you have a huge swing though? Does it move? Is it way out there when it goes out? No. And is it way up when it goes? No? <laughs> no, it's the weirdest thing. And it, it drives me nuts when I travel and fish. So like I'll go over to Jacksonville and I'll fish with uh, the guys over there. And we're walking 100 yards down the beach and then 100 yards back. Here you could set your rods up and you could basically not have to move them at all. And if the worst it's going to move is maybe 20, 30 feet, depending on the swing, but it will not be, it will by 20, 30 feet. I mean, length, not height. Um, it's not far to walk. It really has not a major effect. Okay. I'm sorry about that background noise. That's my granddaughter. She's pissed that she isn't on the podcast. Who was <laughs> crying, but I get her some food now. So I think she'll be okay. And we can keep on keeping on with this. So then, in California, we have a tide, and the tide goes out so far. Well, she's still going to cry. She deserves it. You tell us what you think, kiddo. You let us know. <laughs> but the tide moves so big time. So that's probably what the number one reason why people were asking about the tide, because we have such a giant tide swing. And as you get further down the Baja, man, there's times people don't understand on the Sea of Cortez, when the tide goes out, it'll go out a half a mile. Yeah. And then the tide, you'll go drive your car out there and then the tide will come back a half a mile and your car will be underwater. (laughs) That's kind of what the thing is about tides. That's why we were wondering. But that's kind of weird because you would think in the Gulf of Mexico, you would think that that would be the case, but it's not. How weird. I would have never thought that. I learned a big thing just now. I would have never thought that. I would have thought the tide change would have been dramatic. (laughs) <laughs> it's a weird one. Um, now, Brian Pearson had a great question in here. Do I ever go under around the I-10 bridge in Destin, Florida, fight with the big Goliath groupers? I do not. I have a tendency to keep my butt in the surf. Um, I will go out with somebody who has a boat. So if you got a bow ad, hey, I, I'm not I'm not one to say no. I will go out and fight a big Goliath with you. But 40-pound redfish, huge sharks under the bridge, yes. I do fish three-mile bridge when I do go out with friends here. That's uh, the Chappie Bridge in Pensacola that connects Gulf Breeze to Pensacola. There are some giant fish there and sharks those are absolutely a blast and we have the weird like i said earlier we have a great fishery in the surf there's so many things to catch um you know you've got sharks if you really want to be into the sharking game have right at it um a great white was accidentally caught here this past year which was very strange but you want tiger sharks no problem red drum easy day black drum spanish king mackerel uh blackfin tuna we get those off the pier here in, in navarre so if you're a pier fisherman and want to go after tuna come down we got that uh we got a great set real nice, wow. real nice incredible dave burris i did not have to babysit last night tonight's the big night mm-hmm. i'm on my own tonight with baby both of my kids are going to work at four o'clock so the clock <laughs> will start ticking at four i told her to go potty <laughs> as much as she possibly can right now because i'm not really thinking this is going to be fun to be changing diapers but that's just me i'm sorry (laughs) go poop now oh wouldn't it be that easy with babies it's like come on just help me out here man yeah can you just do your pooping before your parents leave please yep very interesting (laughs) that that um so tim tim ogilvy but oh go ahead no 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 that that bridge fishing stuff that goes on in Florida looks really, mm-hmm. really interesting because of so much structure there. When you're doing the surf Huge. fishing, do you kind of move towards that bridge area or do you kind of stay out in the middle where there's not a lot of bridge stuff going on? I don't know. I'm just asking. So you can, 
where we're at here, not really. Um, you don't really have much there. And with the piers being what they are, the piers are very heavily marked for swimming. So you're not going to really want to be know. fishing uh, from the surf at the pier. You can go on the pier and you can get after it the exact same way. You basically just line yourself up with the sandbar and the zones and you throw out a lateral versus the launching from the beach running south. You just go east or west. You're still going to hit it. You're still going to be you know, completely happy. You're okay. just going to have more zones to play with with other fish. But um, anything for that one, like uh, if you wanted to get into something of that nature, if you're talking structure, I would say move a little bit more onto the inshore side, into the Pensacola Bay area. Now you're getting into fun stuff. You can catch, you know, red snapper from the beach here in uh, certain areas. You can catch all these big fish still from the beach on the inshore side. You're just not in the Gulf of Mexico. You're on the inside. And there have been some pretty gnarly catches right from the beach uh, here in our area. Uh, not even two miles from where I'm sitting right now. So yeah, there's a ton of beach fishing here. You're, you're not going to be sad. You're going to be able to get after it. Okay, cool. And then back to what Tim Ogilvie was talking about, your worm thing. So bloodworm, uh, I learned about that on accident, being originally from New England. Uh, I knew about bloodworm just because, you know, you got to go out and scoop it out of the dirt and hate life. Uh, I don't, I can't get that there. Now I can get it here through fish bites. I will use their synthetic bloodworm, which is also a phenomenal bait. So bloodworm is actually very, very good. Okay. And then Miss Hot Rod. I have not. Have you fished the Mississippi since you're close to it? No, unfortunately, you're looking at a couple of hour drive for that one for me here, probably about two and a half to three. Uh, I have not done the Mississippi River. I have done a couple of podcast episodes and I have one in work. I need to finish that one up with a person that does Mississippi fishing. Um, we did uh, one recently with Salt Sippy fishing. He does a lot more kayak fishing piece, but he talked a lot about the fishery there. And y'all have some long, long beaches there where the water does not go above your knee for at least five, 600 yards. So that's a huge. And then in the fishing game is knowing your beaches, whether it's a long beach or a short, that's going to make a huge difference in your game. Oh yeah, definitely. You got to know the water. That's kind of the whole thing uh, out in the ocean, wherever you're going. Con yeah. Local knowledge is super important, super duper important. So then there, we have a lot of different pictures that you showed us a lot of different things. There's a lot of cool things, but have you ever done now? I see a lot and you kind of brushed over, but you didn't really talk about, have you done the shark fishing off the beach thing? Cause it looks like it's a super big deal going on in that area that you're at. Am I right? It is. It is a very, very fun fishery. And most of these shark charters here are just spot on. They know where to go, when to go. They prefer nighttime. I have, I've uh, been able to go out with y'all can look up, um, from Coastal Worldwide, Dylan and his team are phenomenal, absolutely great shark anglers, tons of knowledge. Smitty Surf Fishing, another buddy of mine, Mike Smith, he goes into the smaller shark side, so I've gone out with him a few times. It's, uh, it's a different game when you're fishing, uh, you're fighting a couple hundred pound monster there. Oh, yeah, that's the great white. That's the great white. Oh, my gosh. Oh, cool. That was an absolute... Then they still to this day cannot believe that happened. But Coastal Worldwide is a phenomenal group. They just do so great, so many good things with the shark world. And they're an educating team. I love that about them. They go travel everywhere they can for fishing. They just don't do sharks. They do a lot of other stuff. They uh, really share that passion. These guys are out there catching them, teaching you about it, how they do it, what they do, how, what they think, how, and then the conservation piece. They really, really care, and it's a phenomenal set. Of, it's a great channel to follow, and just two they're just great human beings. I can't say enough about them. I love them. They're just great people. Nice. Yeah, I watched a couple of videos because I was trying to do as much research as I could before we got together, and there was guys fishing those sharks on the beach with the full harness. Oh, yeah. Giant Makaira reels and – it's like they're going after big game battle, but they're doing it on the beach, and that shark's dragging <laughs> those guys into the ocean, and yeah. Just, yeah, like like that, like that fishing with a big Makaira reel and fishing straight braid, and 
it just looks insane that you're doing it on the beach. Yep. And they're just, and they will sit out there. They offer great different types of chargers. They got 12 hour ones. They'll sit out there with you the whole night. And when you get into a big one, they're coaching you the whole time and they put you in the harness and you're going to feel that power. And they're going to make sure that you're safe and taken care of. You know, they're going to get the fish. They're going to make sure the sharks gets off the hook. They're going to take care of that. They're going to want you to get the images if you can, you know, if it's a type of species that you have to be able to catch and get them right out. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 sharp things. Yeah, I mean, I don't touch sharp things mouth like that. Nope. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) they'll swim. Blaine will. Blaine is known to swim the shark back out. Blaine is a lover of sharks and he they take such great care of that species after the catch. That's so important to them. They can't emphasize enough how important it is. They're just great people. Yeah, that is great. And that's really good news to know about how they take good care of that fish because we come from California. You and I both, we, we know, we know <laughs> oh my God, everything's, everything's the end of the world. Everything's going to be over if we don't do it right. That is pretty spectacular. Watching him put his hand in that thing's mouth to get that circle. <laughs> out of his mouth. That's, He's a trusting man. We're not doing that. No, no. Good no, thing but, there are people like that. That'll do that. Yeah, but, so then, we were talking about the tackle box for a few minutes. That's yeah. kind of a cool thing you got going on on your channel there. You can go and see all the cool things you have because you're like me. We're not we're not making a secret about this. We want everybody to enjoy this surf fishing thing, to enjoy the ocean fishing, to just get out there and have a good time. The tackle box, you're like, here it is. This is it. This yeah. is what I do. Here you and go. Then- and they're not affiliate links. So before you guys are like, oh, you're getting money. I don't. Uh, I'm not. There's no affiliate link with that. This is just what I'm using. I have tested. I know works for me. And I, that's the biggest thing. I've done this podcast throughout the whole country. It's not just Florida. I've done a couple of internationals. I've done Australia. and I've done South Africa. My important thing with doing this podcast was for you all to be able to go, hey, I'm going to go travel to, let's say, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and I want to go fish. I want you to have a couple of episodes for you to get a couple of ideas on what you can do to be successful. I don't want you to go out there blind and be like, Oh, I got this. Have a little bit of it. You know, I want you to get the information to have some fun. And if you can't bring your gear, I've talked to a local guide that's on there. So you can contact them and say, Hey, I'd love to go on a charter with you. We want you to be successful in this industry because it's fun. Name another thing you can go put your butt in the friggin' sand, toes in the water, lined out there catching dinner, and not be angry. Who knew? <laughs> I mean, come on, man. And we want you to have that fun. So that's that was the big premise of finding Demo Surf Fishing Podcast. I wanted you all to have the knowledge to be able to get ahead in the game. And this is just another learning one. And hopefully you can take something. So rock it out, man. Have fun absolutely now my family my father taught us my brother sister and i about giving back to the community and how important children are to this industry my father was a huge advocate of making sure that the children understood what we were all about this fishing thing and today most of the schools today aren't teaching that to our children so that's where you and I come in. That's where my father came in. That's where my sister and my brother run a fish camp out of Dana Wharf Sport Fishing in Dana Point Harbor. And it's all about giving back to the children. And then we have another organization called Rollo's Kids, where it's all about taking children that have never had an opportunity to get on the water to go fishing. You are super involved in taking kids fishing. You got a big tournament coming up. We're going to delve into this, and this is probably going to yeah. end up the rest of our time, but this is how important it is to you and me. It's all about children. Yeah. And the cool thing about surf fishing is it's accessible to everybody, and you don't have to worry about your children getting that horrible S word, that <laughs> seasick. You can do it from the beach. Let's go. Let's get into this deep. And uh, Tim, what do you got? No, I do not. Uh, I do have episodes that do talk about drone fishing. We do not do drone fishing here, mostly because we're in a very controlled airspace. We have the Blue Angels over there with Pensacola Naval Air Station and a couple other ones. So you won't catch too much drone fishing out here, especially with the National Seashore. That's a big no-no. Do not try to fly a drone on a National Seashore. That is bad. But yes, that's All right. Answer that so we're going <clears throat> deep now, gang. We're going deep into kids fishing. This is a passion of mine that I can't even believe like i say if i ever see you standing there winding in a fish and the child 
watching, I'm going to throw a rock at you because that is not what it's about. You have to let the children wind in the fish. I don't care if it's the biggest snapper you've ever caught or the biggest amberjack or the biggest one. Who cares? You and I, Brian, are going to go fishing. That's right. We're going. We already have the disease. We own it. It's it's our life. we're, We're deep in it. But let's go. Go fishing with the kids. Come on, talk about that. So uh, there is a program. So it is a group called Kids Can Fish. So the website's kidscanfish.net. They are out of St. Simons Island, Georgia. They are a 501c3 charity organization that takes kids and puts on fishing camps. All the money they get from that, they put it back into the camp. So they put on cast net clinics. Tons of things. We have two episodes on it, and there's a tournament coming up. I'll talk about that in a second. But they put on this thing for cast nets. They're, his daughter, Tom's daughter, Tom is Tom and his daughter are the founders, and they have a team uh, there. I can go into the whole thing, but we, we won't eat up the time. They started teaching this. Kids were going out. There they are. Look at that. So they started going out and putting on these clinics. Well, when they did it, the kids were going home with the gear. So they're going home with a cast net. They started doing fish. Uh, they started doing surf fishing. Kids were going home with a rod and reel combo that was designed for surf fishing to be able to continue that. So they would teach them how to do this and then send them out on the gear and say, okay, you've learned. Let's go. And they built a community around it. Well, that all grew into something else. That grew into the St. Simon's Island running of the Bulls charity tournament. And we are going out there next month or it's October and we're going after bull reds. We're going after the big ones. We're going after the 50 plus. I'm not, I'm going for a 13 incher personally, because I need to maintain my crown of King of the small, since I caught the smallest red drum, that tournament, which I'm completely okay with, but that tournament, all that money gets put back into these camps and clinics so they can do more and more and more. And they're doing a monthly and it's beautiful. So good, man. So good. There is nothing out, gang, there is nothing more satisfying than taking a child fishing and watching their face light up when they catch that first fish and to get them into fishing. There is mm-hmm. nothing like it on the planet. And every organization that has something to do with taking, I'm 100% behind. And this, what you got going on with these people is such a phenomenal situation. And then to give them the product, to go fishing with yeah we're not that is that is gold getting to think you should all be involved you should you you can't stand on the sidelines and and complain about children being on their ipad or being on their xbox and you had a great saying and i want to hear that <laughs> in a minute and i love that because i paid attention i did my homework but i'll let you tell them in a minute but you all need to understand that you're standing there on the sidelines going, oh, I can't believe they're on their iPad all day. They're on their Get involved. Get involved. Even if you don't like fishing, get involved. Give back to the give to the kids. Take kids fishing. Give the website. Show the website. Elliot will pull it up. Yep, talk about it. We want this to be up front. Kids fish. Kids can fish. Kidscanfish.net. That's the website for you to take a look at it all. Easy website right there, as you can see. Uh, they got the description right there. They also have the tournament up top. You can link in. They've only got 20 more spots for adults, but no kids will be turned away for this tournament. None. So it is all, all as many kids want to come in, they're all good. But the, uh, there's only 20 spots left for adults. But that tournament, that's a phenomenal tournament. And like I said, all that money goes back in there. And the reason why I'm pounding on this so hard is because we need stuff like this in Southern California. We need stuff like this in California gang. There's a lot of people that watch my podcast every day and that listen to us. Somebody get together with somebody else and let's get this thing going. I'll give everything I possibly can. I'll get all my sponsors involved. I just need someone to help me with this. That's in Southern California. Cause I'm in Cabo, but kids can fish is such a phenomenal. When I was checking it all out I'm an emotional human. Watching Same. I started, tears started forming in my eyes. I'm like, I was blessed. Let's be honest. My father's been in the industry since 1947. I didn't have a choice. I was going to be a fisherman. I was just, that was it. And when I first got into that fishing thing, I was so, so deep involved. And like my wife, Kelly says today, if Dave and I'm 62 years old and if I can piss a puddle, I'm going to fish in it. Yeah. And 
That's what we need to do. We need to turn these children onto this and we all got to be involved. And we all got to help. It's up to us because they're teaching them that Brian and I are the enemy because we go outside and we have fun and we smile. And that's <laughs> the last thing they want these children to do nowadays at school. They're teaching them. So let's get involved. Let's talk more about Kids Can Fish because you're so involved in this. I know there's so much more we can do. Well, their whole thing, like you said, they're one of the slogans I love from them is what you brought up. More tackle boxes, less Xboxes. Get them out there and have fun. And it's going to be great. It really is. Truly. And you see these pictures that Elliot's showing up. You see these children's faces. You cannot buy that smile. I don't care how much money you spend at the video store buying a video game. They're not going to smile like they are in these pictures. That's just not going to And that's because of one thing, fishing yep. and giving back. And oh, how it's exciting pure. would it be to walk out of that with a fishing pole or a throw net or a cast net and come home? Look at that. Look at that. Oh. <laughs> I mean, and this is, and the one fun thing for me, like my daughter, uh, my daughter is 12, about to be 13. When we moved here, I was like, do you want to go fish with dad? And if you want to, and she's like, yeah, why not? And then all it took <laughs> I'll never forget this. All it took was her very first pompano to happen. And she didn't catch it. I just happened to bring it in on, you know, I was like, all right, if you don't want to reel it, I'll reel it. But after that, she went with me more and more. Well, she was like, dad, I want to catch a red drum. I was like, all right, well, let's go down to Fort Pickens and we'll try. And we threw it out. And this thing is fighting and fighting and fighting. I'm like, is it a pom? She's like, I don't know, dad. I don't know. She brought in a 25 inch red drum and she's like, it's a red. Oh my God. And she lost it after that. I, I, the addiction was passed on. She's got her own rods and reels. Now she's got her own gear that I'm not allowed to touch. It's all her gear and she casts it. She does it all. And now she's like, yeah, when are we going to go fish again? I'm like, well, when do you want, when, when can you fit me into your schedule? Let's, let's do that. So uh, it's, it's so important, even if it's just that little time, because it's not just fishing. We're not just fishing. That yeah. is my moment where I am dad and daughter and we are hanging out and close. I'll take that any day of the week, twice on Sunday. I mean, put that in a syringe, hit me up with it. I'm in any day. Oh my God. So important. Like my son yesterday, they were asking him questions. He said, just like you said, it's not about the fishing. It's about time together and building that bond and being together. And you get to really be together. And we're on, on a boat. It's different. When you're out on the beach, I can only comp. I can't even comprehend because I haven't done it, but. Boy, you are really in touch with your child. You are really in touch with nature. There's nothing going on. There's no, there's no the boat, the motor, the da 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 da. No, you're like <laughs> you're in the water and the fish. What a phenomenal way to connect with your child, gang. And if you haven't tried it, if you haven't done this fishing thing, there is no reason for you to not get involved because there's so many people like Brian out there that are willing to give you everything that they have gained in their time fishing and Brian's not the greatest. I'm not the greatest. There's people way better than us that have videos out there that want you to get involved also, but you need to try to figure this thing out for your child. Or if you're into it already, if you're already into it and you got a neighbor that's got a child, but they don't want to fish, take their kid fishing. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that smile, that, that feeling in your heart, that you just changed that child's life. And it, it's a life-changing event, catching a fish, just like you said with your daughter. Now she's focused on her tackle box and her lures and her hooks and her fishing pole and her fishing. Really? <laughs> Come on. That is insane. It was great until she was like, Dad, can I get this reel? I was like, honey, what do you want? Holy crap. How much is that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we can get that one. That one's actually a lot better than the one you have now. But yeah, what it, it, I don't know too many people, you know, for her age that are, you know, I've met that are into fishing like her. I mean, granted, she's into her dance and all the other fun stuff of a preteen. But man, I start talking to her about fishing and she's like, okay, so we're, we're, we're throwing it here. We're using, did you get sand fleas? Did you bring the sand flea rake? Did you get them? Like, okay, you need to slow your roll. <laughs> you, you can oh, handle that. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's so wonderful, man. And I, I commend anybody that's tried. And uh, we talked about it on our episode. And I, I've actually had a, a lot of people bring up something funny about that is though we go to the beach, does she bring her iPad? Yes, absolutely. She brings it because there is still downtime in between. 
to have her sit there and be bored, I'm going to lose her in five minutes. But there's a huge but here. I can have her on her iPad, but every 30 seconds I see this. Looking at the rods, looking back, checking this, looking at, looking at the water. She's always scanning. So she may be in a little bit of that, but she's more in tune with what's going on out there. And I know she is. And a kid out there, you're going to need that extra distraction. You're going to need that extra piece because they have that. And it's okay. Truly okay. Uh, Ace oh. High, do you tell the crowd behind you on the beach when they say you're not going to kill that, are you? Um, no. Uh, I don't know how to answer this. If I catch a fish that I know I'm going to keep, then I will say, yes, it is my dinner for my family. I am a, I'm a meat eater. I'm not a trophy eater. I am a 100% a meat catcher. If I catch it and I know I'm going to eat it, I kill it right there instantaneously. And I will explain why, how, and what I'm doing so that they're educated. Uh, I've only had one person kind of nag at me and I just did the, you have the best day. Bless wow. your heart in the most Southern way possible. <laughs> so, yeah, it happens. Then it's not that bad. No, no. There's. I love those people. They're my favorite people on the planet. I want them. I want them to ask me that question. I want them to talk to me. I'd love to help them out and understand what they eat. Their food came from the store. They have no idea. <laughs> yeah. No idea that it was actually walking around in the backyard two days ago. Another thing that you mentioned that is like winning the lottery for me. And I think it will be for most of you if you understand what we're saying. When your child asks, Dad, can we go fishing? I just want yes. a lottery. There's no money <laughs> on the planet. I can't buy that. I can't buy that. I can't give my kids enough money to ask me to take them fishing. Hmm. Yesterday, my son, it was so cool. He's like, Dad, you're only up here for a few more days. Let's take Zaya down and get her her first fish. I'm like, dude, we're on our way right now. Let's go get out of my way. Where are we going? Get out of my way. We went to the store. We picked out her own, her, let her pick out her fishing pole. We put four of them in front of her. She picked out the one she wants. Oh my. Let's gonna, do it. I'm going to start crying right now because there's just so killer to have your child wake you up and ask you, can we go fishing today? There's mm. nothing better. It's like you won the lottery. And everybody that's listening, like Brian was saying, we talked about this on my show. And those of you that are members of my website, you know, I have a whole ser series of videos about taking children fishing. And it's super important to not make it a punishment, which yeah. so many parents screw this up and go, okay, look, at you can't bring your iPad. You can't bring your Game Boy. You can't bring this. You can't bring that. You can't have candy. You can't have chips. You can't have, we're going to do hell. No. We get to have all the junk, all the crap, because we're going to make this so much fun. Like Brian keeps saying fun. Fun is the key. Yes. That when they can't wait to go do it again. Why make it a punishment? Brian, you and I aren't going if we can't bring this. Yeah, it's it's going to be there. There's nothing you can do about it. That's just life. Bring the damn thing. We got to have this. You can't tell your children they can't have theirs while no. you're doing this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, uh, you can't do that. What the? What? What kind of a message are you sending? And you take the fun away, and now it's like restriction. Oh, mm. I'm gonna go fishing with dad. I don't get to. I don't want to. They don't want to go. They're gonna go kicking and screaming. But if they know that's the day they can have a coke, they can have some candy, they can have their Game Boy, and they can sit in the beach chair and be. Really? They're on so, vacation. They want to go fish and wake up in the morning and want to go that we won. Yep. Absolutely. And we, I don't Oh, go ahead. No, we won. That's all I'm trying to say is we just won. You can't even imagine that how easy it is to win. You just don't screw it up. You only got one opportunity, Brian, to mm -hmm. take your children fishing. If you blow it, it's over. It doesn't matter if Wahoo are biting on the beach in front of your house. She's not going if you screwed it up. Yep. And I've, I've made another rule with her. I've also asked her, I'm like, look, if I ask you to go fishing and you don't want to go say something, because if I drag you out there, then anytime after that, you're going to be miserable. And if you were going to be miserable, I'm going to be miserable. And then everyone else is going to be miserable. It's not worth it. If you don't want to go, tell me, no, give me a reasonable reason other than I just want to do something else. But if you don't want to go, I just need to know. And it's worked out wonderfully because there's been several times she's like, dad, I just don't feel good. I just don't want to do that. or I'm doing this. Okay. And then two days later, Hey, can we go fishing? Sorry about the other day. I'm like, yeah, hold on. We go grab the rod. Let's go. Let's go right now. Right. <laughs> I don't care what time it is. We're going. Let's go. 
it's the greatest. It is absolutely the best feeling in the world when that happens. Yeah. It's the best. So let's talk about your podcast real quick. Sure. I, I believe we've already burned up an hour. We got my producer for an hour and we're going to wrap this thing up in about ten, eight minutes, six minutes. So your podcast. So my podcast started after I saw how much, how crowded the space was with YouTube. Um, and I grew up in a different thing of the Marine Corps. I learned one of the most important guests, what it is for learning. You've got visual learners, you got audio learners, you got kinesthetic learners. Hitting all three is important because if you alienate one set, you're not going to get your message across. There was not very many people in the podcast world, especially in surf fishing alone. But what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to pigeon myself to Florida. I realized that there's a giant world out there with so many oceans and so much fishing available. Let's get the knowledge out and go that way. So that's what I did. Every week I interview somebody new from a different area about how they fish, what they do, all their tips and tricks, because all those pieces will matter to you on the other side. Yes, my episodes are long. I only do long form content. Sorry, but one of the coolest parts about podcasts is when you play it on a podcast player and you stop, when you hit play, it picks right back up where you stopped. So you're not losing anything. You won't have to go rewind or anything like that. So all these pieces put together give you knowledge on different ones, but it also shows you something great about different regions. I just recently finished one with the Cabo Surfcaster. Wes had a great conversation with him, and I learned a ton and things that I never would have thought. I'm going to use that here in Florida because it might work. Another one I've done with New England and Massachusetts, how they catch striper. We don't have striper down here, but we do have bluefish. How they did the bluefishing, I've done. It works. On top of those ones, another great one was learning about throwing metal lures in the surf. It's a big difference on how you throw a metal lure with a bass. You know, if you're a bass fisherman, you do it a certain way. Here, it's the same thing. I didn't realize that this little metal chunk here would have to be dragged a certain speed to get a certain species. I was going slow. All of that came from me having these conversations, recording them, and putting them out with people so more people could understand, oh, if I do this, it will bring this. If I try this, it may do this. I want you to be armed with knowledge so that you can have more fun fishing. That is the most important piece. And here we are. It's been working great. Absolutely. You got my attention. That's why mm -hmm. I wanted to be on your podcast. I'm you like, made it fun because you gave another perspective that a lot of people were like, oh, what's he going to do? He's a boat guy. And all of a sudden they listen to the show. They're like, holy crap. And it's like, yeah, everybody has a piece of knowledge. And yours was phenomenal. I cannot thank you enough for everything that you shared, how well you did with people and your knowledge and peace and giving that one made people better. And that's the most important piece for the show. Thank you, Brian. That means a lot to me. That that touched my heart right there. Thank you very, very much. I try. I try to keep it as positive as I possibly can because this fishing thing's super important to me. Hey, we got a question. What are some things that make surf fishing unfishable and is there a backup plan? Yes. Okay. So, uh, we got a little bit of time. I'll make it as fast as I possibly can. Uh, color of the water clarity can really mess with you, but especially chunks in the chunks in the water, mostly June grass, uh, kelp, stuff like that. That can really screw it up, but there's ways around that. You just have to be able to find it and figure out what you can do, whether you got to change it to lures. Other ones being heavy surf can be a massive killer because if you're having a hell of a time keeping a line uh, grounded, Nah, not going to happen. The fish ain't going to be there. They're going to run. So don't play with that one. Roll through that as well. There's a couple of different pieces. There are on the episodes, and you're welcome to reach out to me in Messenger or through an email through the website. I'll happily talk to you guys through this, or maybe I can show you an episode that will help you. But there are some factors. Yeah, uh, Brian's going to have Bill Varney. He's already reached out to him a couple times. Bill's a very busy man, but he'll be on uh, Brian's podcast. And uh, – We'll be having Wes on our podcast. That's for sure. I live right down the street from Wes. His daughters want to meet my monkey. So <laughs> it'll be cool to have Wes on the podcast. We'll keep doing what we're doing. There you go. Way to go, Tim. Brian. Hey, thank you, everybody. Thank you for watching the show today. Thanks for being a part of this. Brian, thank you so much for allowing me to interview you for a change instead of you always doing everybody else. And this Kids Can Fish gang is such an important thing for me. Check out my website, YourSaltWaterGuide.com. I cover every aspect of fishing. We, we're adding more stuff all the time. You can check out my website at YourSaltWaterGuide.com. You can give me a call, 949-374-0786. I answer every single call. Or you can text message me 
and I will give you access to my website for absolutely free for a couple days to see if it's really worth the $9.99 a month. I know that's a lot of money. And if you have to ask your significant other if it's okay to spend nine bucks, fishing's not your problem. Um, and we got one question from Ace, and then we're going to jump off of here. Oh, we answered that one. No, I don't. We answered what that I, one. We're good. What I would say was, I'm never going to judge you on what you eat. Please don't judge me on what I eat. Thank you Ooh, very, like very much. I'm taking that. I, I have no problem with what you're eating. It doesn't bother me at all. So please do not worry about what I'm eating. It shouldn't be a concern. There's so much other stuff to worry about in the world. Don't worry about what I'm eating. For God's sakes, gang. Worry about real problems. <laughs> Oh, oh my boy. gosh. And then they just go away going. Beep, 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 beep. They're just, well, they've never been approached by you. Goodbye. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, Brian, we'll meet up. Hit me up anytime, man. I'd love to fish with you. I love fishing with anybody. That's a lot. Of, it's fun. Thank you, Ace. Thank you, everybody. We're going to jump off here. Elliot, thank you very, very much for a great production of the show. You did a phenomenal job as usual. Can't do this without Elliot. Can't do this without the viewers. Can't do this without everybody. Can't do this without my special guest, Brian. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't thank everybody enough. I'll see you all Monday. I'll still be up here in Tahoe. Do yourselves a favor. Turn off the news. They're all lying. I don't care what side you're on. It's a lie. Go outside. Have a good time. Get a suntan. Enjoy life because it's not that bad. See ya. <laughs>